welcome to episode 197 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. It's been a solid long time since we did an episode, so apologies for that. Uh, but there has been some chat recently in episode discussion, so hopefully we still have a few listeners who are out there. Uh, and I'm very excited this week to have David back, who's been there ever since the beginning of season, been here rather, ever since the beginning of season three or whatever we called that transition thing that happened <laughs> at one stage. Uh, and also OG host uh, Derek is back with us, which we are super pumped about. The original hey, Derek. gangster. Here I am. That's what OG stands for. Wanting my technology. <laughs> How's it all going in your world? Oh, you know, uh, locking down and not seeing people uh, and enjoying the world that COVID has brought us, uh, such <laughs> as it is. Away. So, I mean, what could be what could be worse? I mean, what well, could be better? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that uh, that could be a long list. <laughs> cool, David. How you doing? Death by dysentery. I'm doing well. <laughs> That's good. Anything to add? How's your COVID lockdown? Did you have COVID? At one point, you said you may have COVID. Did you end I up did. having COVID? Yeah, I did end up having COVID. I uh, I lost my sense of smell for uh, three, no, probably more like five days. Uh, Sarah still wow. hasn't gotten hers back. Oh, Sarah being man. my wife. Yeah. That's been how long? Uh, since the end of November, and it is currently the be the middle of February. Wow, wow. that's rough. Yeah, yeah. Well, time. she lives with me, so there are perks. She misses. Yeah, I was gonna say she's missing it or not. <laughs> like blessing in disguise. Maybe. I think she misses being able to smell nice things. <laughs> yeah, like the food she's eating. Does it make her food taste wrong? Not being able to smell the food. Um. So she says, guys, this is a tech podcast. But she says that she's pretty sure <laughs> she has most of her sense of taste somehow. Okay. Okay. Has she but gotten all- like the weird, the the weird bad taste or smell that sometimes comes when you're. Taste and smell starts returning. Every once in a while, she's gotten a, a whiff of something that smells bad, but it's only been like two or three times in the last, well, since since it happened. So, okay, that's that's nice. Yep, yep, crazy. Um, well, let's. Wait, wait. How are, how are you doing, Craig? What's what's going yeah. on? How's your non-tech me? related? In, in yeah, how's your corn? I was just going to say, people of the praying variety should pray for Sarah, David's wife, that she'll get her sense of smell back. Um, oh, I'm you. doing right. How's my what field of corn? Is that what you said? Aren't, hold on. Aren't aren't all our listeners of the praying variety? Isn't that like the that's the demographic well, anyway? Well, that would uh, we're happy. We're open to anyone listening to us. Uh, is what I'm saying. It doesn't only have sure, to be Christians. Sure. There might be someone new. Anyway, yeah, we were um, asking how your corn is doing. It's it's short for quarantine from reconcilable differences. I think. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's a term it's that everybody's fine. using. Not not just. People who listen to very specific podcasts. <laughs> uh, well, it's a first for me, and I've been—I lived through the same 2020 that you guys did. Well, yeah, uh, you're German. Well, I'm Australian. Yeah, I'm, I'm down down under. Nah. Um, things have Dana, things are okay. Yeah. We've we've weathered it pretty well. Sydney had a real hard time for a while because they let in a cruise ship, and people just went through the city off the cruise ship, and the cruise ship had it. Um, and Melbourne went through a real, like, six, I think it was six weeks of stage four lockdown, like, can't leave your house at all, or maybe for groceries only or something like that. Is Melbourne um, a person or a place? Melbourne is the capital city of Victoria, which is the yeah. second largest city in Australia. So Sydney's the biggest. I think you're place. thinking of the corporation that the Redditors were trying to take down. <laughs> you're thinking of nope, GameStop? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so Melbourne had a really hard time. Adelaide, where I, the city that I'm 
uh, in the suburbs of. We um, we've done fairly well. We did have a couple of intense lockdown periods, but only ever for you know two weeks. At a, I think two weeks was the longest. Two or three weeks was the longest. Um, and then we had a three day one because someone they thought the authorities thought because someone lied uh, that someone had caught COVID by going to a pizza bar um, where someone else had COVID or one of the workers had COVID. And they, so they thought anyone who'd had a pizza within this time and this time from mm. that place may end up getting COVID within 14. So like the whole city ended up, there was that and something else going on. And so the whole city locked down. But then once I found out that there was the contact tracing had been thrown into error, the lockdown was lifted after three days instead of the original time frame given. <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah. So in general, we've been, I mean, we've had a little bit of lockdown. We had church from home for like, longer than it would have been nice to have to do that for but mm. um that's been back since i think well on and off apart from that um lockdown we had in november it's basically been back since august last year mm. as in some form of face-to-face gathering um so yeah so we're doing all right and no one in my family's got it it's because there's not a huge amount of it here we've been pretty fortunate but i have been tested a few times and yeah fun and games yeah, Australia, from what I've seen, has actually been pretty good when it comes to when it comes to COVID. So happy for you guys yeah. there. People just I mean, cooperate. You guys deserve and a break, considering the wildfires from whatever yeah. year and a half ago. Well, and even like what was it two weeks ago? We had another one of those fires that was only about um, like to drive there from my house, probably less than ten minutes. Um, so I was getting a little close for comfort. We had our car packed, ready to evacuate just in case. Uh, and it was wow. probably like a 24-hour watch and wait kind of thing right on the edge of the red zone. So mm. um, thankfully, though, the rains came and and that was no more. So anyway, this week, I'm super pumped because we're going to be talking about the social finally. dilemma. And Ben, what was That's that? Right, this oh, is you're finally show. super pumped. You've never said that yeah. before. So I think... Well, no, this is a, there's a first like for everything. This is the first episode before. in a long time. There's a first super pumped for Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, we are sad. Ben was going to join us as well, but you know, these, um, his his wife is unwell or something, so he's not here. Um, but sorry, Ben, we would have loved to chat to you. We are talking about the social dilemma. Before that, though, I wanted Derek's just giving me all the all the season one feels. Derek's doing so I wanted a potty to do a- dance. He's like hopping around. <laughs> like I'm, I'm on. I have a standing desk now, so I, I, can, I like, imagine. Oh. And, like, you know, get the get Derek's the bouncing nervousness out. You know? <laughs> this is I actually, wanted to do a... this is actually super nice. I pro- no, it's probably distracting, but <laughs> no, it looks it looks comfy. Yeah, I am. I'm very comfy. That's good. I wanted to do a couple of season one throwbacks. Uh, the first one, remember how we used to have segments, and and David yes. actually wants to talk about tech you should use, which he didn't call it that, but I'm going to call it that because it just reminds yeah. me of season one and all the good times. I'm not old enough to remember tech you should use. Before that, we used to have a segment called Tech You Should Know. Uh, I'm not going to do that whole list of of news articles this week, but I did want to know if you guys would like to play a really short game called Tech You Should Know or Should You. Whoa. Whoa. All right. I'm down. Are you you down? I'm not really big into games, but you know, anything for the show. Thank you. Even recording an episode. That's good. David, your your generosity knows no limits. I just can't. I can't imagine this is any worse than what Jim makes me do.
it's a pretty simple game, and honestly, you're going to get two goes each, and I'm hoping that someone will win rather than um, it just being a draw. But we'll see what happens. We'll have to do a tiebreaker if, if, there's, a, if there's no clear winner. Basically, I'm going to give you each a scenario, which is like a, a tech news story, basically. And I just want you to tell me, is this real tech news or fake tech news? Yes, David. There's a question already. Can we call this tech news or not? <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's a crossover to. with just... David's other podcast. <laughs> I just love that naming scheme, you know? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. So you ready to jump into it? Absolutely, I am. All right. So remember, Derek, all you're telling me is real news or fake news. Okay. okay. All right. Here's your first scenario. So dog, f- dog food brand Purina has run an advertising campaign utilizing interactive billboards that it wants dogs to pee on. The French billboards have been specially designed to scan the contents of the urine of dogs as they relieve themselves in public places to check for diseases. A spokesperson said Purina's objective is to provide simple and efficient solutions to improve the wellness of your pets. We wanted to raise awareness on the importance of veterinary checkups, but also to offer a solution that fits in with the daily lives of pet owners, the daily walk on the street or in the park. So these are specially designed billboards with a little drain, and when the dog pees on the thing, the thing goes in the drain and it tests for diseases, and then it prints out a thing that you can take to a vet and go, here, my dog has this, fix it. Is that real tech news or fake tech news? I absolutely believe it to be real. I haven't seen it. I feel like I would have seen this on Twitter by now. But I'm, I'm going to say it's real. Would you like to phone a friend? Uh, no, no. I, um, I'm already phoning two of them. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's lock in true. And that is real tech news. Well done, Derek. That is... Yes. You are absolutely right. There it is sounded, nothing... It well, just sounds too perfect to be fake. Yeah. Not, not implausible there. All right, David, you ready for your first scenario? Absolutely, I am. Okay. So, a spokesperson for an as-yet-unnamed conglomerate of big tech investors has said that plans are underway for a large-scale theme park near San Francisco, a project they have tentatively tentatively labelled Megatech Mountain. While there will be traditional rides, all of these will be repurposed with a technocentric spin. Traditional spinning Gravitron will be named the Noctuatron, taking its name from the Noctua NS... uh, NFS-12B Redux 1200, rated by IGN as the best PC fan... A roller coaster named the Ribbon will dominate the central area. 1950s-themed ride named after the humble ribbon cable, first invented in 1956. I the tallest ride set set to be named after Microsoft's Bill Gates. It's going to be called the Gravity Gates. Guests will enter through huge gates before proceeding into a lobby and upper lift, which will take them 10 stories to a rooftop where they'll climb into a aeroplane equipped with wraparound flight simulator screens. Uh, no matter what the pilot does, the plane will plummet 10 stories for an exhilarating gravity-driven rush. Finally, large rooms will be equipped with up to 200 VR units to enable large-scale, unified VR experiences, adventure and escape room scenarios and more, with sense and tactile technologies in the floor, transporting users completely to another place, together. Is this real tech news or fake tech news? Oh, do I get to reason about this out loud? Yes, you can. Okay, okay. That's, that is better for the show. So my instinct I mean, you was... could stay silent for 45 seconds, but... <laughs> You know how we do things on Flocking. <laughs> um, so my instinct was to say, nah, because, oh, this is just silly. Why would anybody do this? But at the same time, it's not interesting enough or funny enough to like be an Onion article. And I really don't think you have the time, Craig, to have written this up yourself. 
Okay. Not that's not an insult. That's like you have better things to do. At least I guess it's an insult <laughs> if you did write it up yourself. <laughs> David, I just need an answer from you. I don't you. think I spent that lo- that long watching the social dilemma. Anyway, I'm going to go with it's real <laughs> even though I wish it were fake. So this is real tech news. I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting it all okay, in. Okay. No, this is this is fake tech news. Oh, and I wrote it up and I'm quite hurt and <laughs> insulted. But anyway, it's one paragraph, man. It took like 10 minutes or less. Um, all right, Derek, Maybe your German next... accent threw me off. I don't know. Your next scenario, Derek. Toilet paper producer Charmin has unveiled a new mark on the tech space with some concept devices that are un- equally unusual and useful. The robot so- solves the problem of getting stuck on the toilet with a bare toilet roll. This self-stabilizing robot with a Charmin bear-inspired face connects to your smartphone and will actually bring you a fresh roll of clean, papery goodness when your current roll is unfortunately run dry. Also announced was a smell sense, a system that scans the scent of a bathroom, warns you of the chance of your gag reflex being activated if you enter, based on how much carbon dioxide and I think it was also hydrogen sulfide are present in the room. Finally, the ARVIP PWE is a porta potty that uses an Oculus Rift headset to allow you to keep virtually attending a live event while you take a real-world toilet break. Goodbye, FOMO, but as always, be careful where you aim. Is this real tech news or fake tech news? David's I'm gonna, face? <laughs> I'm going to say it's I'm gonna say it's fake. Uh, you lost me at the Oculus Rift, I think. The um, Oculus Rift AR VIP? Yeah, I don't... I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they probably went to that level. Uh, I would I would believe that Charmin would create a novelty uh, toilet bot, a uh, toilet paper okay. bot. Um, so like Derek's or something, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the rest of it. Okay, so currently it's it's one nil by the way. Um, and so Derek, you said that was fake False. tech news. Fake, that was actually news. real tech news. Oh no! Oh snap! So uh. we are. One nil, but David has a chance to rectify things here. Are you ready for your final final scenario? I do, but then? what if we tie? What what happens then? What happens if you tie? Yeah. Uh, we'll go to a tiebreaker or oh, something. Okay. okay. <laughs> or you can just both win. I don't I actually don't care. <laughs> I have no skin in this game at all. I just thought it'd be <laughs> something fun. Um. All right, so here's your last scenario, David. In a tribute to former Apple CEO and tech luminary Steve Jobs, Apple's Tim Cook and Johnny Ive are rumored to be working on early designs for a four-story Apple logo-shaped building at Apple's Cupertino Apple Park headquarters. The building will stand tall and thin at only 50 feet deep from front entrance to the rear wall and will use a mixture of hardened perspex cladding and dichroic glass to give off the rainbow-colored aesthetic of the iconic Apple logo used from 1977 to 1998. A cubic sculpture out the front will bear the building's nameplate, which is the tip of the hat to the Next Inc. logo for the company Jobs founded in the mid-1980s. While the building's functional purpose at Apple has not yet been leaked, a source has this week confirmed the operation of the facility will be 100% environmentally sustainable and serve as a new icon for the future with incredible historic significance for the company. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, uh, reasoning about it out loud again. I, uh, I mm-hmm. think that they already have the Steve Jobs Theater. So, I don't know why they'd have That's another... That's not the same thing. ...another Steve Jobs <laughs> building... But at the same time, that was just so much detail. But at the same time, there was a lot of detail last time. Oh my goodness! David. So I'm going with this is. Oh, this is this is everything, isn't it? This is the whole. This is the whole kit. This is, yeah. This is make or break for right, you right, right now. Right. Right. I have. It's um, on the line. Hold on. Whatever it is is on the line. Uh, <laughs> it's it's tie or die. That's what it is. <laughs> hey right. Siri, flip a coin. Heads is fake. 
Siri says, I'm sorry. So I'm going to go with <laughs> this is real news. This is real news? Yep. No, David, I wrote that one as well. So that is fake news and Derek wins the game. Yes. <laughs> you should have stuck with your reasoning, David. It was too detailed. They've already got a Steve Jobs theater. You were on a winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you changed yeah, it the last but minute. Siri didn't help me. That was a really impressive amount of detail, though. Like, what what kind of glass <laughs> did you say they were going to use? Uh, dichroic glass. Dichroic? So that is, that's yeah, that's that's glass that has a certain coloring, but when viewed when the sun hits it at different angles, the coloring changes. Um, that would so that would be cool. very cool for the record. Yeah, hmm. uh, yeah, I have seen such glass firsthand, and it is pretty cool. Nice. So anyway. That's that ends tech you should use or tech you should know or should you or what what did you want to call it David? Uh, tech news or nah? <laughs> tech news or nah? Yeah, there you go. Okay, cool. This means uh, I own so, the podcast again, right? That's what we were playing for. <laughs> yeah, essentially, it means yeah. what? I mean, if you want it, <laughs> if you want it, it's there for the taking. Oh yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I you know, I I would not stop you. I think I th- wasn't it left mine? Is that what that kind of what happened? I was the the chief sort of. The chief decider of things in chief. Yeah, then it's yeah, yours. Yeah, whatever you guys. I decided. I, I kind of threw you into into a pit with Craig and Tank. And Derek kind of used you as a human shield and said, "I'm out, but David's here. See ya." <laughs> Anyway, so the next segment, Tech You Should Use, I've got one, which is good because David didn't warn me about this, but I've got one anyway, and I'm sure Derek's got something he can throw our way. What have you guys been enjoying using lately that you want to spruik to the audience? Well, I suppose I'll go first. Um, I don't, I mean, just looking at the things on my desk, uh, I have (laughs) been using my, (laughs) I've been using um, the 12.9 inch iPad Pro for the last year now, almost. Um, with the um, with the magic keyboard and trackpad, it's, it's just mm-hmm. fantastic, and the pencil. It's just this is just amazing technology, incredibly useful for so many things, and it basically does everything I need to do for work, um, with the exception of like a couple of things as far as um, like interfacing with old solar inverters. I work for I do solar for a living. And there's mm-hmm. very old solar inverters that have very old Windows software that, uh, you know, I could jailbreak this iPad maybe and install a, v- a VM software, but uh, oh yeah, don't don't do that. This it, is this is still too new for me to want to do that. I've so. done that without jailbreaking. You can actually do that through. Um, oh, there's like a. I think you have to install a profile on your device, but it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but it is unbelievably yeah. slow because it's it's ARM emulating x86 because right uh, and it's just it's terrible and and you shouldn't do it. It's I, I didn't install Windows. It's not I like I needed Linux. to be fast. Like we're not talking no. very sophisticated. So I mean, like I but ran yeah. ls in my home directory and it took two seconds to. to like... Oh no. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, it's yeah, not built for we'll, that. We'll, ha- we'll hold off on that for a bit. Um, but yeah, get you guys if you have. I will say so if you have an one of the new newer iPad Pros, you should definitely consider getting the the keyboard and trackpad, because hmm. um, that is it. It just absolutely changes everything. Did you have the regular smart keyboard before that? I had other Bluetooth keyboards. Oh, okay. 
right. All so, right. yeah. We're needing to get one of those 12.9-inch iPads for my son's vision um, development. Oh, is, yeah. You know, because he's got really low vision. So to have a screen that's essentially black with um, high contrast, well, his preferred color um, objects and stuff on it, and eventually to help him hopefully learn to visualize words and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We sort of need something that we can easily... <clears throat> get images and apps and stuff that do those kinds of things on and we're thinking 12.9 is better than something small but mm-hmm. we also need to upgrade our home computer <laughs> so we're kind of staggering we, things I a think little. we talked about that I'm looking last forward. episode oh yeah hey man you're gonna get a <laughs> We've had, we bought a car we bought a car since then oh, so yeah. <laughs> the you're gonna get a Mac Mini M1 I do want to get a Mac Mini the is it the 2020 model the yeah one that, the, the one with the Apple yeah. Silicon Yes, I would love to get one of those. I would that bet would the be... base model. You might have to add, like, throw in a, like an external hard drive of some kind, but I bet the base model yeah. would be fine for you. I think yeah, that starts I at so. eight hundred, and if your kids are in school, you might be able to get the educational discount. So I think then it's seven hundred. Yeah, is that U.S. pricing? Though? I think it's yeah. more like nine hundred and something Australian. It's like a yeah, yeah about, about I'm a thousand not sure bucks. What but it anyway, is marks. yeah, <laughs> AUD man, AUD. All right, I'm going to go, I'll go next because uh, mine's pretty short. It's software, and I don't think I've mentioned it before, but I've been using uh, Bear for Bear. writing stuff in. Does anyone else use Bear? My wife uses Bear. She loves it. I tried it at one point, but meh. Derek, I thought it would be up your alley. It's all I mean, markdown-y and stuff. I just don't, I just don't <laughs> do much writing anymore since I don't do a podcast anymore. So Yeah, fair enough. That's, that's um, a... I'm actually, I mean, I'm writing a... Um, a children's novel, which I haven't, uh, I'm not going to say any more about that, but I'm doing that all in bear and all so far on my iPad or iPhone. So that's been fun. Um, but even just prepping for today's show and just any time I need to note take, it's a much more pleasant experience than other note taking apps I've used and super simple to, um, hashtag link one note to another note and, and easily pull up things like that and keep things organized. So, um, has full markdown, you know, you can you can do everything in Markdown if that's the way you work. And uh, there's different uh, appearances and all that kind of gear to customize. But yeah, I've just found it's a much cleaner and smoother um, sort of note-taking and writing experience than the other stuff I've tried. So if, if that's something you're looking for and you haven't given it a go, definitely have a look. It's pretty cheap. I think it's like $2 a month or something for like the monthly subscription. Um, so certainly doesn't break the bank and it's worth it to have everything syncing across everywhere. Yeah. My, uh, my wife loves that app. She uses it for, I think she mostly uses it for work notes, like, like jobby job mm-hmm. notes, but, um, yep. it's, uh, it's a, it's a beautifully designed app. I, I would actually use it or I would have been using it, uh, except I, I wanted backlink support. And that was actually my recommendation is craft another note taking app. Um, they are, a little bit like bear in the fact that it's just an elegant pretty app um but it's kind of built with zettelkasten in mind um which Mm -hmm. is this idea of linking notes together uh atomic notes um and then also um what's nice about it is while it is not a markdown editor um if you write markdown it converts it to whatever text format it actually stores stuff as and in any note, you can just export it as Markdown. So for all, even though technically you're not working in Markdown, for all intents and purposes, it, it has full support for Markdown, both in and out. 
Um, and I've been using it. It has a great iPad app. The Mac app is good, not as good as the iPad app, which is kind of a weird, how did we get here, parallel universe kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and the iPhone app is great, and uh, it's got backlink support. Uh, one of the coolest things is you can just grab a bunch of content that you've written and hit Command-G uh, to group it together. Um, and then that kind of becomes its own note. So you can start by like writing a long note and then you're like, you know what, this could be its own thing. You just select the, the things that can be their own thing. You hit command G and then it becomes its own thing. And then you can, you know, at mention that in, in your other, um, mm -hmm. in your other documents. It's, uh, it, it, if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this doesn't have all the features that I want right now. They are, it's under very heavy, uh, active development. They have a Slack, uh, group, uh, or Slack team whatever you want to call it, where you can hop in and, and make feature requests. And I, I made quite a few and they said, Oh yeah, we're, we're doing all of that. Like these are all things we want to do. Um, so, uh, and, and they seem to release very regularly. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Craft.do. Um, so we are discussing the Social Dilemma docudrama, documentary, whatever you want to uh, call it. Um, it's been out for a while now, so if you haven't seen it and you're worried about spoilers, well, I would apologize, <laughs> but I'd probably <laughs> just say go watch it before you <laughs> listen to the rest We're of like this. three to four months past <laughs> the cultural zeitgeist of this movie, so if you haven't seen it yet, let's be real. Good. You're not going to watch it. That's right. And it's probably a good thing. <laughs> too bad. Unless it's for a podcast, at which point you'll have watched it two nights ago. <laughs> yeah. Possibly multiple times. Oh, it's probably a good thing. Has Derek already told us? Oh, I don't has know. Has Derek you, already told us what, what he thinks of this? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you want to start with first impressions? I mean, I've watched this. I've, I'll be honest. I've my baggage that I bring to this is that I've tried to watch it probably three <laughs> times and fell asleep halfway through every That's time. That's awesome. And then, which, which, <laughs> I must have been. I fall asleep pretty That's easily true. once it hits about a.m. ten o'clock these days, um, just because of work and kids and stuff. So it's, it may not be related to the quality of the program, but I watched it the whole way through last night, so I can now say I've seen the whole thing. Um, but Honestly, yeah, I did not pay that close of attention because I was checking my phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That was that was one of three notes that I wrote. Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. The, two, the next two are not <laughs> jokes, so don't worry. <laughs> well, I don't think they're jokes. <laughs> so, Derek, I think I hinted. I think I I heard a hint of dissatisfaction. My. What is my baggage coming into this? I feel like there is probably relevant baggage, but I mean, so I guess my baggage coming into this movie is that I tend to be a tech optimist I, I, in in most things. Um, I would mm -hmm. say I think tech is neutral. <laughs> yeah, but Derek, you said tech wasn't neutral. Right, right. I, but but I'm that has nothing. That has literally <laughs> nothing to do with the statement. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to fall for your bait, you you filthy <laughs> you filthy podcaster. Um, <laughs> Language. Hey, Derek. But David started that. <laughs> um, so anyway, so this this movie is so over the top in 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 the way that it portrays the problem at hand, 
It is fear-mongery. It has really over-the-top, like, horror horror movie music, like, you know, strings screeching up in the background. <laughs> uh, it is... It, it does not take a... It does not actually... It, it, it comes across as being a really, like, complex take of what social media is and what it means to society. But it's it's not. It's very it's very simply a very pessimistic view of every single piece of w- what social media is um, to the extreme, um, and I'm I'm not a fan. Just uh, you know, just to lay my cards on the table, I don't like it. Are there any dissenting opinions? I would love to hear that. I'd say I'm a little less hostile towards it in comparison to Derek but I mean I, I've certainly felt at t- especially the doc the dra- dramatized portions of it I didn't really care for at all um, I almost they wanted to funny. skip through them but I felt like I'd they, they I owed, <laughs> owed a duty to uh, after watching through them like the after like the second and a half watch look, like watch through I was able to take them on as something that yeah as as humor instead of like something super serious i like when they got arrested for bumping into cops that was fun <laughs> they were was, white the, they were not yeah, gonna the, get arrested, the arrested for bumping bit into was cops. A bit where i was just like all right i'm done with this <laughs> oh my goodness anyway um uh, the the rest of it i thought i mean i was in, sort of going to ask in response to what you just said derek i felt like that the is it jaron lanier the guy who wrote the book 10 arguments for deleting a social media accounts right now um, I feel like he kind of certainly fit the bill of like, let's make this sound as disastrous as it possibly can be. Oh, is this the guy with the hair? Mm-hmm. Yep, the hair and the and the dreaded. Beard he looked like as well from from a very young age. He aspired to become Treebeard. <laughs> like that was his thing. Or Richard Stallman. <laughs> <laughs> or Radagast. Either way, <laughs> um, I think. He he sort of was he sort of very much epitomized that trying to sound extremely knowledgeable and, and extremely like this was a huge global problem that definitely needs solving right now, um, and we can all start to do it ourselves. Tristan Harris uh, to me came across a little bit more. Certainly not. Uh, he wasn't. It wasn't like he was saying, no, 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 it's all cool. <laughs> like he's, He had um, the same sorts of concerns, but presented a little bit more um, moderately or something. I don't know. There was a few things he said where I was like, yeah, well, that's he, he's probably making a fair point there. Um, and we can get to that a little bit later on. But um, I, I still sort of felt like the beginning bit of him where he was like, you know, I sent this presentation and felt like I was starting a revolution. Yeah. yeah. And then nothing happened. <laughs> I was just like... Oh man, he really? A, like he is a spurned Silicon Valley bro type. I mean, it's he is fun. Like one of my notes is that um, let's see what he looks like. Tank Don Harris. He's yeah, he does look like Tank, but he's like <laughs> oh the my most. Gosh. He sounds like the most smug, self righteous guy on the planet. Like it, it's it's the tech, it's the Silicon Valley uh, presence of like. I am talking, and it's very serious, and I'm thinking while I'm talking, so you know I know what I'm talking about. That is that kind the of definition like definition of presence. Yeah. So like the the TED Talk um, persona, yes. where everything he says is really yeah. wise. 
Yep, yep. Yeah. And you could actually see him rehearsing his... <laughs> I don't know if it was actually a TED Talk, but... Um, he was like, is this good? Does this sound good? I'm like, yeah, well, you, you are rehearsed at this already. Like, this <laughs> this just seems to be how you speak. <laughs> Do you think he rehearsed for his recorded rehearsal? Uh, yeah, I... I, I I wonder, I mean, it's beside the point, but I do wonder if that was like a staged rehearsal. So maybe it would be good for somebody who, I don't know if we have a chief summarizer in chief on this show, to just kind of, for anybody who didn't watch it, explain like the highlights of like, what is it trying to say about tech and social media? Yeah, I, I have a little bit of an outline here of kind of the main... Cool. The main problems that the movie has with social media, um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is in any particular order, but which would be the definition of an outline, but <laughs> whatever, here we go. Um, this, is, this is an unordered, ordered list, David Latchett. Yes. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll outline Derek's unordered list when it's finished. <laughs> so main, main problems that the movie has with social media is that it's selling users. It's free, so the users are the product, not the product. The product is not the product. The user. No, 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 Derek. That's too simplistic, according to Linear. Right. Oh, <laughs> it's right. It's the slight imperceptible say? change. Of did you remember that quote? Something like that. It's a oh, gradual, slight, it imperceptible somewhere. change in your own behavior, behavior and perception, and perception that, that is, that the, is product. the product. Yes. Yeah. Mm hmm. If you can go, uh, yeah. If you can go to somebody and you say, "Give me ten million dollars, and I will change the world one percent in the direction you want it to change," it's the world. That could be incredible, and that's worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah but anyway that is, that so is just like selling that. users is uh, selling users is one thing collecting a ton of data is another thing um it kind of goes hand a lot of these kind of go hand in hand with each other um addictive or persuasive design mm -hmm. um algorithmic sorting by computers that are faster and more advanced than humans uh, machine learning that is trained to keep users engaged which kind of goes with the algorithmic sorting uh, and capitalism. <laughs> and you <laughs> forgot the whole Just the whole bit. I <laughs> writ large. <laughs> capitalism. They used the term surveillance capitalism, didn't they? But that was mainly for the tracking yeah. and stuff of people. Right. The, well, those are sort of the main problems that the movie has with how social media works. And then, like, the yeah. effects that they're pointing out are, like, depression and suicide, polarization in society, and the crumbling of, demo of democracy as we know it. Yeah. Well, and fake news. Uh, yeah, which would be... yep. There's kind of a whole section on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, I when I was watching through, and it, the surveillance capitalism stuff didn't really... You know, when it started out with that linear quote, I, I kind of thought, okay, yep, this is all... It's going to have a big monetization focus. I guess I, I got a little bit more interested um, where... Well, for starters, I was thrown off again by another thing that I think the linear guy said, where he said, like, we've created a world where online connections become primary, um, except that all of those interactions are, are financed by a sneaky third person and sneakiness is at the center of everything we do. Like, deceit and sneakiness is like the core of our existence socially mm -hmm. now, um, which is another kind of extreme hyperbolic statement or, or whatever. Um, I, I just think it was... A little bit more interesting to me when they got talking further on about the way that, I guess, the democracy stuff and the fake news and the the way that these things, the echo chamber sort of nature of social media being fed back what you already think so that you, it just helps you think even more that the other side are all idiots. That was something that I was like, 
maybe there's more validity to that than, um, or more reason to be concerned about that than some of the other stuff. I mean, everyone who's on social media knows that it's there's an advertising model behind it, that you are being tracked, that your attention paying to the ads or the ads even being put in front of you um, is what is making dollars for people behind the scenes. Like that's that's clear and that's should be obvious because everyone pays, you know, advertising is paid for and it has been on television for a long time. Why would it be any different on mm-hmm. social media? Um, but I guess that's where I kind of was like, it, it took a little bit of a turn and, you know, aside from people getting arrested in the street for bumping into cops when they were um, observing something going on, I was kind of, you know, I haven't been in America for the last 12 to 24 months, but I've seen from this side of the world, the the discord and the, um, you know, frustration and this stuff. And, and a lot of it, you know, you've got to, uh, I guess, at least give some credence to the fact that it was sparked by or promoted on, you know, um, pushed through social media. And so, you know, there's that kind of, that responsibility level, you know, Tristan Harris is saying these, these platforms who are who are at the center of getting this stuff out to people and, and having, you know, hosting it on their system, uh, this content that's inciting, you know, violence and bigotry and whatever division and breakdown of democracy and all those things, they need to be held accountable. I mean, we've talked about that before. He, I don't feel like he... I don't feel like the movie really gave a an answer to how that would work, but that sort of that sort of problem and needing a solution still feels like, especially in light of the last the, the world we've been living in for the last little bit, um, does seem like a valid problem. Yeah, I mean, it, and really, the, what a lot of what this movie is talking about is with regards to polarization and fake news is like QAnon, like just to say it out loud, like that's basically what they're talking about. Um, and every, like, cause QAnon has kind of subsumed all of the conspiracy theories from over the last four years or so, four or five years. And, um, that, that's kind of what they're talking about. Uh, but the important thing to note that even though like the conspiracy stuff originates on the internet, probably goes through social media. Some like the reason that that stuff explodes is when people in quote real life, uh, either acknowledge acknowledge it or run with it or don't denounce it. Like there's there's a there's a reason that there there's mul- there's lots of factors at play aside from social media, including mm-hmm. a leader that really wants his followers to be worked up so that they vote for him again. Um, and uh, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh dear, we're know. into Amer- American politics already. Yeah, I I don't want to get too deep into American politics because I I know I know there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this that um have well everybody who listens to this is going to have opinions <laughs> on this topic but but that is an important factor when we're talking about the the various propagations of news of news stories over the last four years the people that are in the public eye have a lot to do with how far spread this is. And and like media media companies as well, like traditional media companies like Fox News, a lot of a lot of conspiracy theories are laundered by uh, the president of the United States and Fox News, one or the other sort of floats it and then the other one runs with it, sometimes both of them at the same time. So there's there's a lot going on there with that as far as Fake news well, and to save you from some years. email follow-up, I don't think you'll disagree that the same thing happens with Democrats and and things like CNN. Like 
it is well documented that that sure. Donald Trump, yeah. whether whether he means it in his heart or not, we can't say, has disavowed uh, any um, any uh, association with, uh, with with Nazis, with with modern day Nazis, and he's done it tens of times. And many of the liberal media news stations report over and over and over again, and you see this in politicians too, that Donald Trump refuses to do that, even though you can find YouTube clips of like, you know. So, yeah. And I'm not trying to make the point that, that he's not a white supremacist no, that's true. that he's not a I, racist. I, I mean, there. I think the Ninth Commandment tells us to take people at their word. But outside of that, like, Trump has the kind of character that means, yeah, I take him as a word, but I'm still suspicious of anything he says. Um but yeah, so all I'm trying to do is save you from some follow-up. There's this kind of play happening on both sides, <laughs> and you acknowledging that probably saved you an email, at least. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. At least yeah. one email from our one listener who's still sticking with the Jim. show after all this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought what Tristan, uh, now now I know his name, but Tristan, as, as our German fellow calls him, Tristan Harris... <laughs> Is that what no, he, that's okay. what they. That's, that's what he um, called himself. I guess he's <laughs> yep. German. There was even a, there was even a shot in there where like somebody Someone comes in him. and greets him and said, "Oh, it's Tristan, right?" Oh. And they kept that in there probably Man, so that things I did not pay attention to when he went to the TV <laughs> network. Um, so he kind of at at a certain point in the documentary, maybe about two thirds to three quarters of the way through, he says something to the effect of, "The problem is not that like social media or these technologies." are causing a breakdown in democracy or in civilization. The problem is societal. And things like social media and the echo chambers created by your friend list and all of that are simply like magnifying and maybe amplifying the problem. But we're not going to solve the problem by removing social media, even though like that's the call to action at the end of the movie or at the end of the documentary. Uh, he kind of <laughs> makes the point that, like, I mean, that's not really going to solve the problem. The problem is societal and i thought that was kind of interesting because i mean some of the people throughout the documentary were talking about this problem as if like you know these 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 you know facebook twitter etc they are putting things in front of your face that make you want to spend more time on their platform that make you want to engage more that make you want to consume more and this is completely new in the history of civilization and it's like well no like this was the this is the entire problem with like the entire christian uh, publishing industry and the publishing industry at large, but especially the Christian publishing in in industry, because a lot more people are interested in reading Jesus Calling or in reading uh, to, to get a little bit less controversial Joel Osteen. Or I guess a lot less controversial Joel Osteen. Like a lot more people are interested in reading that than they are in reading your average everyday boring Reformed or Presbyterian pastor. And, and yet, who gets nine book contracts publishing basically the same book over and over again? It's Sarah Young. Um, and so, like, this, mm -hmm. is, this is literally how, and it is, I mean, you could say, I'm, I'm a capitalist, to be clear, but it is the fundamental problem of capitalism. Like, uh, it's just that maybe we're a lot better at it mm -hmm. now. And it's also interesting to me, because, I don't know, I, I've been thinking about, like, okay, well, but this is, like, this is how societies crumble, right? Is, like, the discord that he's talking about is, is a big part of how societies crumble. You know, a, a kingdom divided against itself cannot, cannot stand. And I was just like, well, it kind of makes sense that, like, we haven't really had, I mean, Rome being something of an exception, and I mean Rome in the classic sense, not Rome in the I'm Reformed and I carry a Claymore sense. Rome was a very big <laughs> empire, but it was not as unified as the United States of America, 
right? Like Israel was not a part of Rome in the same sense that Rhode Island is a part of the U.S. Um, and I was just thinking about like, well, if God is Romans wanting us, which I would argue he pretty clearly is, like turn on the news and watch people get confused about their private parts and what gender they are. Like pretty clearly that's something that he's doing. If he's doing that, like, and he has to cover all of the United States and also a lot of other nations. Like this is the biggest scale that we have seen people deny deny general and special revelation in potentially the history of the world, with the exception of Rome. And this time I do mean that I'm a covenanter carrying a Claymore sense, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. It kind of <laughs> makes sense that like that we would be moving faster or that data would at least be disseminating faster, that like we would see this happening at a greater rate because i mean you know the fastest you ever saw society fall down was was noah's ark um and so i just i like this isn't me saying like oh well we deserve it we should just lean into it and like post the post the garbage on social media that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just kind of remarking on how well we we've, we've seen patterns from god in in history and it seems like this is a measured response in terms of providence yeah, I, mm-hmm. honestly, like I agree with you, but I'm in a large portion of that. Um, the, like my my impression of how uh, of the direction that our society go is going is that if if this is the beginning of our society fall well or the continuation of our society of America, probably specifically crumbling, um, then it has it it was on that trajectory yep. already. And social media did not did not create or or um, sort of incite that trajectory. It just sped it up because technology is really good at helping us do things better uh, than we could do them before. That's kind of the whole point of what technology is like supposed a shovel. to do. Um, yeah, like a shovel. A shovel, is, you know, demolish democracy either with a shovel or with social media. It's perfect. Now, um, so yeah, I, the whole the whole doom and gloom about. Um, society crumbling or that this is an existential threat like if it's an existential threat we had an we had an existential problem to begin with anyway uh now i'm not i'm not on board with with this being existential because uh you know i'm a i'm a bible believing sort of person (laughs) you can only say bible believing with a southern accent (laughs) society will (laughs) craig can't even say it watch i know (laughs) never mind (laughs) huh I'm sorry, go on, Derek. Um, Bible believing. I can't so, say the believing bit. <laughs> um so yeah, it's and and the other thing is like the, the other part of this and the other part of this movie that they really don't take into account at all is that these people are not the only people talking about this. Like a lot of these topics um you know the the polarization, the um, the data collecting, the addictive persuasive design. Like, I feel like all of this stuff is actually in the common um, is in the common discussion. Like, everybody yeah. has opinions about these problems being problems. Um, so they're not really bringing a whole lot new to the table, as far as that goes, and. Uh, you you have a I do I think I think we're not the target demographic for this film, and no, that like that's true. <laughs> at one point, I remember on that, that how they stated that like, hey, just so you know, 
your data is not being sold to Nike when they run an uh, 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 an ad. This is how advertisers interact with the with Facebook's with Facebook's data. And when I watched that, it occurred to me like, mm-hmm. oh, this movie was not made for me. Now I'm not saying they did a good job of informing their their target audience well, but what I am saying is for a lot of people, a lot of this was legitimate information that was new. There was a massive editorial spin on it that I, I don't think any of us are necessarily on board with to varying degrees. But there was they did do a half decent job of kind of, I mean, when you see those three people talking about like, oh hey, here's how we're gonna manipulate him, here's how we're gonna manipulate him, that fundamentally is with a lot less uh human chutzpah how the AI algorithm <laughs> is working. <laughs> like all of those little considerations yeah, are occurring right, yeah. and you should be aware that this is happening while you're using something like Facebook because it may change your behavior. But and it may even be helpful to have that visceral image of like, oh, there's like three people with very similar faces trying to manipulate me right now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, sorry, go on. No, it, I mean that's a good point. Yeah, it, this wasn't meant for us. This was meant for the common, the common <laughs> people, um, the vulgar masses. So condescending. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think they were really irresponsible with their tone and what and how they decided to portray it. But it's it's basically it's a horror movie that's disguised as a documentary. I hear what you're saying there, Derek, and I think the I think I agree. I don't really want to push back on that, but I also think that I'm okay with them ramping up the horror thing a little bit for a particular audience. I think you know. It, we've just said we're not the right audience, but maybe a 14, 15, 16 year old who's never considered any of this stuff, who doesn't really know how the advertising model works behind the scenes and, and that it's really targeting certain behaviors of theirs. Um, maybe it is helpful for them to get that sort of, you know, I don't know if you could call it a wake up call, but sort of like see themselves in it and go, oh, wow, there's a problem here that's being pointed out to me that I should take seriously. Whether or not it needs to be taken as seriously as these guys are saying, like downfall of Western civilization as we know it seriously, that's another question. Um, a, a quote, <laughs> there's a few things that sort of jumped out to me, I think just after the point when David, of, of the bit that David was referencing, I could be getting order wrong here, but um, one quote that I just had to mention on Tech Reformation was, we never said bicycles were pulling away people from their kids <laughs> and ruining the fabric of democracy so and making people not be able to tell what's true. Um, if it's a tool, if it's a tool that's um, being created, then it's just sitting there. But if it isn't a tool, then it's something that's demanding things from you and has its own goals and it wants to use your psychology against you, um, which was, of course, the tech neutrality debate <laughs> re-brought to the fore and just, I was like, ah, oh, dear, it feels so familiar. And yet at the same time, I don't want it to. Um, but I was kind of like, you know what, In again, in this scenario, for, for a, the right person who hasn't considered the impact of this stuff on on their life, maybe that's that kind of analogy is helpful. Um, there was another... Th- quote from Tristan which uh wait can he we said, go back to the bicycle bit a little or yeah if you want or to should I let you finish your thought there no you can do thought. you can do the bicycle bit before okay. I move on so uh, the thing about the bicycle bit is that uh <laughs> can't believe we're going here <laughs> absolutely yeah. completely wrong on his entire statement <laughs> there were a lot of people freaking out about how bicycles would uh affect society and be bad for people and stuff there's a whole thing called bicycle face uh people thought that the 
physical exertion of the the face um, being pressed back by the wind that you'd make when you're when you're riding a bicycle really fast, faster than humans have ever gone before, right? It's faster than a horse or something. That your face would get permanently stretched back into what is called bicycle face. That wouldn't ruin the fabric of democracy, though, would it? But it was also said that people were also panicky about um, women using bicycles in particular because it all of a sudden gave women much more freedom. You know, if you ride a bike long enough, you're about to you're definitely going to run into a man and uh, commit adultery, which is basically the argument people were making, which is a sort of societal collapse type of uh, type of um, argument. And there's even a quote from somebody who wrote about uh the bicycle the bicycle's greatest threat is not when it is in motion it is when it is sitting there alluring you to you know use it like which is kind of the same <laughs> argument that these guys are making here it's not one to one but yeah. these types of arguments are made over and over in the history of technology books radios and all the this, things yeah Newspapers, newspapers were, you know, you could get information so fast when the newspaper came out. People were really, really concerned about that, that people's minds wouldn't be able to keep up with that sort of thing. Anyway, it's... I think it's it's an imperfect analogy, no matter which way you spin it. <laughs> That's the, and, right. and it's like you said, it's actually, yeah, it's probably flawed at the outset because it's claiming something that's not even necessarily true. Right. Even like one of Ben's notes was like... Um, uh, ben sent me some notes to maybe throw in if, uh, <laughs> if the opportunity <laughs> came, but like, <laughs> I love you, Ben. Of course he did. <laughs> hey, Ben, we wish you were here, man. I can't find it, it right now, but there's like, um, assuming that we cannot uh, have uh, control over what is, what social media is feeding us is like not giving us enough culpability in our actions, um, which is you know back something that I remember Ben bringing up quite often in the tech neutrality debates that we have we have responsible you know responsibility in this we can't put it all off on technology which i agree with like that's a that's a thing we got to consider i agree <laughs> and tech neutrality debates plural for those who are still working through the back catalog if you've only got to one you're only just beginning <laughs> um <Wow>. the <laughs> there's a couple other quotes that i i just want to read out quickly and i think the thing that I guess it sounds like you guys are probably on this wavelength as well. Tell me if I'm wrong. The thing that I I, I sort of landed on with this whole movie documentary thing is that I, I feel like it's a somewhat unhelpful way to to cause at least some of the people who watch it to think helpfully about things that are actually that have been a problem all along. So it's using a thing and saying, "Hey, this is new. The social media stuff is relatively new and it's it's breaking the world." Um and it's using that as a, you know, scapegoat or whatever as as the problem of our time. Um and that's unhelpful to sort of write everything on that and say, "Hey, this is, you know, if we solve this, then that'll make a whole, you know, democracy won't crumble and all these other things." Um but some of the things that even through the sort of overly dramatized wording and stuff that people use, some of the underlying points I think were still pro pretty valid and probably are valid for anyone in any time who lives in the world we live in. Um, so 
Tristan at one point said, we've been waiting for tech to overwhelm... He had this graph. We've been waiting for tech to overwhelm human strength, but there's a point that we've reached much earlier, which or much sooner, when tech overwhelms hum- human weakness. And so that's the point at which we find the root of addiction. And he was saying polarization, radicalization, outrageification, vanityification, like all these words. Some of them I don't think are real words because it gives me lots of red underlines when I type them into my um, software. But the... Into bear. What was that? (laughs) The... I think the point... Yeah, into bear. But the point is... um, Is true in a you know that is helpful to realize if again for the teenager who's never considered it before the infinite scroll or the pull down and refresh and hope for something new the addict the addictive components within a larger world you know so within the social media world you've got these what seem like really small actions but those small actions have certain outcomes those outcomes can become addictive and you need to have a level of ability to analyze your own behavior so that you don't fall into some of the traps these guys are talking about. So it doesn't mean that the way these guys are talking about that problem is valid or is warranted, you know, in terms of the extremes that they go to. Um, but but I guess the underlying warning about addiction there is I don't really have a major problem with, and I think that could be helpful. Um, does that make sense? Do you know what I'm getting at there? Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. Uh, again there, though, like... This is a thing that has existed for each new piece of communications technology that has come along. I mean, sure. it's it's a good good thought technology to to realize, okay, where where am I just letting technology carry me along and I need to learn how to master it. And that's true mm-hmm. true with everything. And social Absolutely. media is no different. People can master not using social media and or using it effectively. Um, yeah. But which is why I think they're wrong to sort of make it sound like as you were sort of saying before, like, and I said just just then, they're wrong to make it sound like this is is the problem to solve. The only right. problem to solve is social media. Yeah. You know that just that doesn't work. It falls over because, like you said, it's it's a repeating scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, he did say something that I thought was interesting. Uh, you know, fr- from a Christian perspective, uh, which again he, he sort of couched it in in more extreme. It, it was sort of in amongst other quotes that I was, you know. I won't bring up, but he did say, if we don't agree on what is true or that there is such a thing as truth, we're toast. Um, this is the problem beneath other problems because if we can't agree on what's true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems. This is where I think um, the, one of the female interviewees said something about, you know, she was talking about algorithms and, and the fact that these systems don't have a, they don't have any gauge for what is true other than how many clicks something gets. Um, but his point I think there is also valid. My tr- problem with that is that I don't think social media companies, you know, if you if you if you want to say the solution is to hold social media companies accountable, I don't necessarily think that Mark Zuckerberg's definition of what is true is going to be the best version of what is true. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it, it becomes a worldview issue and which, a presupposition. Which is- which is why they've held back from doing that stuff from for so long. Which is why they've let yeah. people like, um, you know, again talking about the president of the United, uh, the you know forty fifth president of the United States, um, how he basically violated terms of services service for his entire campaign and and through his presidency, they didn't they didn't want to touch it because they didn't want to make a problem of it, and then of course in the in the last the last month they've finally kicked him off um 
because of you know the in- insurrection day um so yeah i mean that's a good it's a good question like it is hard to have the social media social networks be the arbiter of what is true that's a hard problem to solve mm. it seems like i mean people have people with authority have kind of taken this to heart because this was before facebook for example really started leaning heavily i think this came out before facebook really started leaning heavily into uh moderating things as fake news uh and and removing posts like they've been i mean especially ever since uh trump uh was you know is no longer president um they've been a lot more heavy-handed on pulling posts and removing stuff like i feel like all of this started a couple months ago where like maybe maybe three to four months ago now this this stuff definitely existed like uh like just like a month or two into the pandemic okay like i feel like that's when they really started doing doing this stuff so this this would have come out after those measures would have started i think they even started like tagging um snopes and and different fact checking outlets in right. posts before COVID but i feel hit. like it's so it's okay. been a, but it, they they have been definitely they've been more confident in that um especially in the last month yeah. month and a half uh, as far as booting out like conspiracy theory cons- conspiracy theorists and same with twitter same with most major um major like content uh platforms youtube you know what have you do you feel like they're getting it mostly right, or do you think there's overreach happening there? I do not think there's overreach. That, that, I mean, Steve Bannon, who is who is a big arbiter of uh, of like conspiracy theories and a big Trump supporter, is still like he was kicked off of YouTube for a little bit after the after the insurrection, but um, he's back. Like <laughs> they're they're not everybody. So I have a lot of conservative friends who are super up at arms about like. Parlor being being deplatformed and a bunch of people getting kicked off of off of Facebook, Twitter, but like Ben Shapiro still has an account everywhere. He's not kicked off. He's like a major conservative voice. Like mm-hmm. there's not like conservatism is not being kicked off of these platforms, but conservatives are making out like all of conservatism is being um, being. Uh, discriminated against because it's their party that is currently being under scrutiny. So, I mean, that's, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so where I was going with that was just to say that like, it seems like this post, maybe it wasn't the, the, the beginning uh, of a zeitgeist, but it, it seems like it is part of, and maybe an accelerant on a zeitgeist of social media censorship that, um and and what's mm-hmm. interesting is as i think about okay full disclosure i am against white supremacist i'm against neo nazis i'm against a lot of these things but that being said if you were to put me and tristan in a room and say what kinds of things should be banned from from facebook and should be banned from public discourse and should not be allowed to be said on- online like i don't think we would come to an agreement and that's that's the thing that's a little bit concerning to me about this whole documentary is it's like, OK, well, yeah, we do all agree on like some 30 percent of the things that probably shouldn't be spread 
at least not with such uh, such uh, what's the word such a, such an accelerant you know the, the way that the algorithm works like these things mm-hmm. should at least be deprioritized by the algorithm if not altogether banned like we agree on maybe 30 mm-hmm. percent of that but like where are the conservative voices talking about how yeah actually we should like we should be censoring things because if we're not a part of that conversation if we're not saying like well i mean for, for one thing like if we're talking about damage done by by groups of people planned parenthood ranks far above anybody who's ever been banned on Facebook and Twitter ever, right? We're not even having that conversation. Like, that's just, we're not Mm -hmm. a part of the conversation. We're not having that conversation. Obviously, we haven't been invited to that conversation. But at some point at the dinner party, we left. (laughs) And, like, now, like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, historically, were we kicked out? Did we we just up and leave because people were talking about getting a vasectomy? That's another dinner party. Never mind. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these are these are pretty heavy dinner parties um, but but yeah it, it was it, it it hit me as you guys are talking that it is a little bit disquieting that like yeah i agree with the notion that this needs to be done but like where are the people who have anywhere near my opinions i'm not just looking for a covenanter or a presbyterian i'm just looking for john MacArthur. where where are the john MacArthurs in this in this discussion because it seems like we're all like and 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 Derek, I know you'll probably resound heavily with this based on what I've seen of your Twitter interactions, and some of the things you've said this evening. <laughs> oh dear, people actually read my Twitter. <laughs> if anything, it feels like the like like if if you were just a central left or a or a conservative le- but left leaning fellow, and somebody asked you, oh, what does John MacArthur think? Like, what 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 do conservative evangelical Christians? think they would all be saying like oh they think that because of freedom of speech that QAnon and 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 alt-right and all these guys should have a voice and should be able to and, and like there are there are plenty of people like like the three of us on this show who don't think that neo-nazis should be able to plan violence on a platform like that shouldn't be a thing mm-hmm. um but i feel like our voices are largely lost and part of that is part of that is intentional uh, on the side of those who kind of control the conversation right now like not letting us get a word in edgewise because if you let the reasonable christians speak then you know you start to garner sympathy and all that so it's easier to just shout us out or shout us down or whatever um but anyway yeah that's that's a thought that i Mm -hmm. had i'm not good at this podcasting thing (laughs) no that's hang on sorry lost my Derek just dropped his pen um uh (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree with you. We we our voices are not part of that conversation. And my take on why that is, well, is there's no we, good tech podcast from we Christians. Are, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, someone should really start one. <laughs> no, we'll I keep I one think going. The reason for that is is because we as conservative Christians feel like we are the most feel like uh, in popular culture. Uh, we we've put the culture war. Um as so important for so long that we have begun to value value our stake in it above all else and we keep seeing ourselves lose ground and lose ground lose ground with with abortion lose ground with lgbt uh lgbt views and gay marriage um you know whatever else is coming down the horizon i can't think of anything off the top of my head um and then and so we latch onto things that 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 liberal that the liberal side is upset about or thinks should should not exist and we're and then we start defending those because um especially when it comes to censorship because uh, in popular culture we are the ones who 
most people disagree <laughs> with. Um, I think I can I disagree. probably say that. I'm like, just kidding. <clears throat> right. <laughs> and, and so when we see so many people disagree with us, we're like, no, nobody uh, – these people should not be censored. Everybody censored with this lack of free speech. Um, you know, Parler getting uh, – disbanded is or, or deplatformed is an attack against us because it's a, an attack against someone who the liberals think are wrong and they think we're mm. wrong so we need to vouch for all of these people and they don't we should be publicly denouncing and you know casting out the people that are trying to latch on to the conservative side but are evil in practice um <clears throat> There's anyway that that's sort of my take on what I see happening. That's why that's why we lat we're latching onto like QAnon because we think that oh the, the the liberal like it's really easy to think that people are attacking you in ways that you don't know, but they are you know they're all collaborating to figure out how to take you down. Um, uh, we need to be a little bit more sensible about this as, yeah, as Christians. It's, it's interesting because I think I'm realizing that this is sort of a, okay, side note, I am a covenanter. I've said that like three times this episode. I don't know. I was making jokes <laughs> about it before, but now I'm going to shock everybody and point out that, and like John MacArthur, by the way, I am against religious freedom. And I'm not against the freedom to practice the uh, the Christian religion, but I don't think that, that the concept of religious freedom is biblical. I don't know. Maybe there'll be an article in the show notes or you can ask me about it on Slack. I, 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 I'm not getting into that right now. But what I want to say is when I look at the Christian's attitude toward, like I've seen so many Christians, I think I, I'm not going to name names. I've seen so many Christians in relatively high places in terms of uh, recognition talk about how they we need to help the Buddhist build his temple or the, the Muslim build his mosque so that at the end of the day, we can have our churches. And, and, and that's, there's something wicked about that because Christians should not help other people worship idols. That's what I believe anyway. And what's interesting is the, the, the argument there basically goes, I want to be safe holding my Christian convictions. So I'm willing to support idolatry to do it. I mean, that's that's the I people will argue, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and those arguments may be valid. I'm not trying to dismiss them. But for the sake of my point, that's that's how I see this. And now we look at Christians who are depend or who are defending people who, at least in the world's eyes, are far, far worse than just idolaters. These are people who actively want to kill people of other races, people who actively want to kill uh, or, or, or just do horrible things to women or, or what have you, right? And we're, we're stepping out and we're saying, no, 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 no. If we take away the pedophile's voice, then Christians might not have a voice. So we want to make sure that the pedophiles get a voice. And it feels like it's just like exposing the wicked like desire for self-protection in the face of obeying God's yeah. law that's been in the heart of at least American Christians not all of them, obviously. I mean, I'm a part of the denomination who objected to the Constitution back when it was first written. But um, we, like so many of us, are, are just willing to make so many compromises because we want to make sure that, you know, when we read our history books and we see Christians being persecuted, we don't want that to happen to us. And we see our way of doing that rather than leaning into God's providence and being obedient, although I'm not, not that Christians don't think we should do that. But rather than doing that, we think we need to do something else, which is support sinners in sinning so that we can be supported in righteousness. Yes. 
Ah, <laughs> he doesn't want to do that. He's not a pastor. I don't even know what I'm doing on this show. I thought we were talking about tech. Well, well said, David. Now, how do we get back to tech? <laughs> I I have one thing that I want to say about this movie yet, um, and sort of related to like so, Craig, you keep talking about like oh, this is good for like the 15, 16 year old that hasn't really thought about this stuff. What I would the the demographic that I think this probably most impacts and the one that it's probably the worst for is parents parents that have kids that are using this technology there's one there's one skit that um terrifying parents yeah so there's there's one part of the skit where like it starts off with uh you know, there's news playing, and the mom's on her iPad, and the the self righteous perfect girl is sitting there <laughs> on the couch reading her book. <laughs> it's a character title in the credits: self righteous perfect girl. And uh, they talk about like this kitchen safe, the kitchen safe that you can lock for like a period of time. And uh, and then the mother decides to collect everybody's phones and lock it for an hour during dinner time. Not giving the kids any warning, not like, and, and there's like a thing where like the youngest girl is talking about, oh, I have like two thousand more snips to send before dinner, and the mom's and the dad's like, what is that? And it's half of like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and you have this dynamic of the parent that's kind of behind the behind the what the kids are doing. They don't understand yeah. it. They're behind afraid the of technological it. eight ball. Right, and they're afraid of it because they're being told to be afraid of it and this movie is telling them they need to be afraid of it they're telling parents that suicide rates are way higher because of social media there's no studies that i've found that have actually made that 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 connection it's been mentioned but they're like honestly the suicide rate jump is not that high um and there's nothing telling us that it is directly connected to social media um, but that's a huge thing that they talk about in the movie. And and what parents should be doing is not tearing their children apart from the things that they're interested in. They need to be diving in with them and learning about them. If there's mm-hmm. not, like, clear sin involved, like, you know, talking about porn or whatever, like, something that's very clear that they're doing that is bad, um, you should be jumping into it with them and learning about it and learning why they like it and why they keep doing it. And then... You just keep you keep communicating and figuring out ways to make that relation help them make that relationship with the tech healthier, not just take all the phones away and force your youngest girl to smash it open with a convenient pair of goggles. What, yeah, and where do those goggles come from? <laughs> in the right? kitchen. As who keeps kitchen goggles? Of, yeah, do, kitchen don't you guys goggles. have kitchen goggles in America? <laughs> to stop that spitting oil getting in your eye. No. Anyway. So, so that's probably the thing that I'm most <laughs> upset at this movie about is the fear-mongering yeah. parents. Because that is yeah. definitely a thing that that this movie will have done. So I'm guessing you didn't like the part where the guy from Pinterest said that his most significant uh, fear based on all this stuff is Civil War. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm just adding to that fear. I'm not sure. I, I, I but think at, it's at the same time, I was, when he said that, I was like, well, that's actually maybe not I've that the Captain America unlikely movie. given what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there, right. there's the trouble is there's all these things throughout this movie that, like, like that skit, you know, where it's it's actually probably more damaging than helpful is what you're saying, Derek. It's it's reinforcing a parental stereotype that we shouldn't be advocating anyway. Um, and then 
but then there's even all the way right to the end, they, they keep talking about the existential side of it that I think just amps up that fear level. <laughs> you know, the whole like the whole thing is kind of geared towards that. Um, one thing that I thought was, you know, they, they tried towards the end a little bit to be... It's like they tried to add a tiny bit of balance so they didn't seem completely unbalanced right at the end. Yeah, honestly, when it they like said things switched to me. <laughs> the end yeah, was where so they like, said like, oh, <laughs> meh. Yeah, big tech didn't set out to be evil, but it's it's the business model that has problems. So we got to, you know, we need to fix that somehow. But you can't fix the business model because it's the only way that you can get money through it. It's like doing um, a Star Wars movie and then talking about trade relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a trap. Um yeah, so that you know, he <laughs> we they one of the things they said was, you know, we've built this model, we've built this tech that goes that the models um you know, powers basically, and we have a responsibility to change it. And I, I still, I guess, at the end of this discussion, I'm still trying to work out how much it's the tech that needs to change, and how much it's our understanding of it, or and or self regulation of our interaction with it. Which I think is why the tech neutrality debate keeps coming up because that essentially is a debate about is it the tech that's a problem, or is it you that as the user that's the problem. And I think that that has still in this throughout this whole movie that has still raised its head <laughs> that issue, if you know what I mean. Um, and for me, that's the that's like the only real takeaway is like okay, that same old thing that we've talked about before. Um, you know that that is still, and that's what I was saying earlier. You know, the addiction or whatever whatever problems you see coming out of it, the addiction, the antisocial. You know, if you're getting lost in your phone and not socializing um, outside of your phone or um, you know, if you're only able to hear one side of an argument because you've been listening to reading too much fake news or whatever it is, all those problems have have other causes as, <laughs> as well that underlie them. So we've got to we've got to get back to the cause of that. Um, and and each person actually has to have a filter to be able to do that for themselves. You can't regulate that really at a global scale. It's not gonna. There's nothing that does that properly. Um, to right towards the end, they said. It feels like we're on the fast track to dystopia and we're going to need a miracle to get out of it. And that miracle is, of course, collective will. Like, the, you know, if we just all think about this hard enough and do our best, we're going to solve this whole the Borg. problem. Um, the Borg? How you end up with what? Swedish? It's the first contact <laughs> reference. I'm sorry. Oh, Star Trek. I forget. <laughs> no, nobody on this okay. show watches Star Trek except me. <laughs> no, you do, David. You're it. Well, You're the Star Trek watcher on the show. That's right. You got to make the Star Trek jokes for us. Anyway, all that to say, they, they sort of tried to be fair at the end, and I, I don't think they quite hit the mark. Um, I, and I think that was another thing that kind of left me going. Uh, like I just watched an hour and a half of it, and there was no redeeming end, end point. Really, there was just a reminder that these people who have recognized these what they are, what they say are really, really severe problems. Um, have as their solution to those problems their own their, themselves, um, and their own wills are fallen wills. So they might they might solve it temporarily, or they might solve it in one way, but they're probably going to create other problems. So as a Christian, I found myself going, well, you know, yes, self discipline comes into it, um, but also you know, godly principles of interaction, being responsible with my time, being responsible like you said, Derek, as a parent, to know what my kids are looking at, in, interested in in technology, what they're spending their time on, 
how dangerous it is, how much I need to be worried about it. You know, these are the sorts of things that we can do to solve these problems without needing some big tech giant company to solve it for us on a global scale, if that makes sense. Um, and there were th- they, they said, you know, here's three rules. One guy had three rules, you know, all devices out of bedroom at, at, at a certain time every night, no social media until you're 16, have a time budget for screens with your kids every day. I got nothing against having those rules. I don't know if you guys do, um, or having rules of some kind, but the rules have got to serve, the rules have got to serve a, a bigger purpose, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. The rules have to, <laughs> should, should be there to help your kids develop the, or to help us. Um, one guy said he had to write his own code to stop himself from looking at Reddit. So whatever safeguards we put in place, we need, we need to realize are there to help us better cope or better, um, interact with something that that is part of our lives now is always going you know probably always going to be we know the model behind it we know there's flaws with that in terms of you know people think it's unethical or whatever but at the end of the day you are the user of the technology and you have to be able to recognize what's going on and have some level of self-control um and input into that and especially as a parent to see what's going on and, and like derek was saying um be there to guide and help and help understand rather than just squash and freak out and run away and and go into a bunker because civil war and end of the world and downfall of democracy (laughs) um that's kind of where i landed at the end i was like okay so all of that to say that you know you probably could have said that in 15 minutes but they took an hour and a half Mm -hmm. of a movie movie to get to that point yeah then you don't have a movie though you gotta you gotta make a movie Mm. well yeah you know advertising in Netflix subscriptions and things. <laughs> Wait, people we'll people better make money somehow. How else are we going to incite societal panic? So <laughs> I've been wanting to say this because uh, I figured it out about halfway through um, when you get when we were talking about the, the, the like how how it feels like scaremongering or fearmongering rather. Um, the worst thing about Facebook is is the Dementors. They were flying all over the place. And they were scary, and they'd come down, and they'd suck the soul out of your body, and it height. This movie was the prison mic of documentary. We all know that too much social media is bad for you. And so out comes, like, prison mic to, to completely exaggerate everything and make Harry Potter references. Oh, my goodness. And that's so my good. summary. It's the prison mic of documentary. That is a very good place to end this episode. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? And I probably couldn't have done the impression as good anyway, so I try. thank you for doing that. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode or you've got mail you want to send to Derek or any of those other things, uh, <laughs> please jump on the Slack, slack.techreformation.com, um, and let us know what you thought in the episode discussion. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, watch it first and then um, jump into the chat and and have a conversation. We are looking at doing some more episodes in the not-too-distant future, so please do keep an eye on the feed. And anyone else got anything else? Keep your wife Nope. No, I can't cool. even think of anything smart now for you to say. No. All right. Well, thanks, Derek, for joining us. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This, uh, I'm so, we'll so hopefully glad have you on again soon. Yeah. And thanks, David. Thank and you, thanks, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next time.
talk to you next time. This has been Bye. episode 197 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. Wait. Don't we do that at the end? There's something we do at the end. We'll oh, that's week. it. We'll so see we, you next week. We something. do see you next week. <laughs> it's, thanks for joining we'll us. Thanks variable. for listening, and we'll see you next week. I think it's cool. Yeah. No, but it but it is, this has been Tech Reformation. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, yeah, and we'll see you next week. Very well. Next episode. Next time. <laughs> next time. Thank you. We have time, time, and half a time. We go to the ends of the earth, and you know we go to the end of the world. Ain't no place to dirty. Go! Go!